podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. The Axron Bulletin, it's Tuesday afternoon. I think we're all uh, in shock after what we've just watched in the 10 o'clock kickoff of the World Cup with Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Um, mine and Patrick's favourites for the tournament, Natasha, thinking that'd be Lionel Messi's swan song. But um, yeah, I think deserved that victory. We won't dwell on the World Cup too much, but just while that was on there, some game of football. Yeah, it was, isn't it, George? Just how grateful, uh, or how great is it to have a uh, football on your TV all day? Um, well, you're you're working from home if you like, but no, that was that was some game. Um, I think Saudi Arabia probably did deserve the win. Then I thought Argentina were relatively uninspiring, but the defending from Saudi Arabia has to be applauded, and they did deserve it in the end. And fair play to them. We were just discussing in one of one of my group chats. There is it possible that's the biggest ever World Cup upset? What do you think? It could be. I think it, I know people will say, you know, Senegal beating France in 2002 That's and whatnot. That's the one that kept coming up, but it's as big as that, uh, isn't it? As others, you know, I think a lot of people, Patrick, Brazil and Argentina was the, the names of everybody's lips and that. They are a bit of reality check probably for Argentina. Yeah, I mean, the commentator was sort of listing them off on the full-time whistle went and, you know, I think the USA beat England in 58 and, you know, obviously... It, the teams were more similar, but in terms of the scoreline, the 7-1 thumping in the semi-final between Brazil and Germany eight years ago, that was pretty emphatic. Um, but it's it's probably the one that everyone sort of looked at and went, oh, 3 nothing Argentina, 4 nothing Argentina. And, you know, they didn't really turn up in the game. Saudi Arabia played really, really well. Um, and, yeah, an absolutely massive shock. Yeah, don't worry. We won't be talking about World Cup for all of this ever. We will be talking about some points at the World Cup which are quite interesting in terms of the added time at the end of the games and VAR but we will go straight to our tagline will obviously Celtic have paused domestic football transfer rumours are going to start to swirl um, it's only right that we probably have a wee look at it have a look at the squad at this point in time and see where we're maybe at um, so that's our tagline today Ange Postacoglu is set to recruit in January but who will leave Celtic 
Natasha, at the AGM, he was quite clear about, you know, that, that this kind of building process that he's got at the club. Some players might need to go out the door. Um, looking yesterday, you know, Cameron Carter-Vickers isn't starting for the USA, so hopefully that one should be okay. Nobody will have too much of an interest in him. It looks as if it's going to be Tim Ream and Zimmerman at the back for the US, so hopefully we're, we're, we're cool with that. Nobody will be watching him. We don't know if Dizamaida is going to play for... Uh, Japan and Aaron Moyes up against France later on um, today but we'll go to Josip Juranovic first I think he's the one that probably everybody's looking at in the World Cup thinking he's a cert to start for Croatia um, over Stanisic that plays for Bayern Munich um, at his age at 27 I think he's contracted at Celtic until 2025 or 26 I think it's 2026 Supposedly last week there was chat around you know Celtic entering contract negotiations with him maybe not getting to the point that both parties would like if an offer comes in that's maybe tempting just around his age and you know where he'll be after this World Cup if he has a, a positive tournament would it be the right time to, to sell Josip Juranovic in January? Listen, from, from a fan's point of view I don't want to see Josip Juranovic go anywhere I think he's a massive asset I think he's one of our really strong players um, I think he fits the system really well. So obviously when you've got someone like that, you don't want to see them go. But if I'm putting a club head on or a board head on or a business head on, not thinking as a fan, then perhaps this all just does make sense. And I think he is, like the, the tagline says there, coming in from the comments, he is probably going to be the favourite to go out of all the players you're looking at in terms of our starting 11 or our starting squad. I mean... He's going to go and play at the World Cup. We're already, you know, aware of that. He's going to start and he's probably going to end up looking pretty good. The eyes of the world are on this tournament. All of the biggest clubs in the world are watching these players. All of the clubs in the world are watching these players, regardless of their size. There is going to be interest in Josip Juranovic. And if he plays the potential that he's capable of playing at, then bids are going to come in. Now, when they do start coming in, we need to look at the value of them and look at what we've paid for him, look at the profit you're making on that and, you know, the ability to to replace him or to bolster the squad and, and other departments. We've already seen, you know, a lot of Anthony Ralston. I think he's been excellent this season. He offers us a lot. He maybe offers us a, loss that, a lot that Juranovic doesn't. You know, I think he's got qualities that perhaps Josep doesn't have. Um, so Ralston, we have there as a very able deputy to step in should Ralston, uh, should Juranovic go. So that's another reason you start to think, you know, OK, if the right offer comes in, it's possible to to move him on. You you think about what Ange touched on. We are going to have to see some of our players head to the exit if we're continuing this rebuild project. And Juranovic, unfortunately, probably does fit that bill. The money that we could get for him that could be reinvested into the squad and other areas that Ange thinks we need to bolster, again, that could just make sense. It's our business model, isn't it? You know, we, we find players like Juranovic, we buy them for the value that we're we're paying for them. We develop them, we put them on the biggest stages, be that Champions League or their country putting them on the World Cup stage and then we sell them on for a profit and hopefully reinvest in the squad. The the thing that I the positive I take from this now is that previously, you know, when players are going out the door I'm talking about, you know, Tierney, Armstrong, you know, players like that the concern was about the reinvestment and where we were going to see that coming back into the squad, not just the you know the bank books. It's slightly different for me now because I do have confidence, faith, belief that when we do sell a player like Juranovic, if we sell a player like Juranovic, get those sorts of funds in, I do have confidence that it'll be reinvested and reinvested well. Yeah, 
Patrick came up with really, you know, good examples last week in terms of Kyogo coming in when mm. Edward departed, um, and others. Obviously, Ayer went out, Starfield came in, etc., etc. Across the board, um, Patrick Urban Culture is one of our usual Tuesday contributors. He comes in here to say that he believes that Ralston will do the job till the summer. I think that might have been the Celtic mantra before. If you go back two years ago in January, Jeremy Frimpong goes out the door um, to buy a Leverkusen. And the infamous John Joe Kenny arrives in on loan until the end of the season. Um, but I think I totally agree with Natasha in what she says there. Before, <clears throat> Celtic might have been, you know, Kianteen is a great example. Greg Taylor's obviously kicked on now in terms of being, you know, arguably our player of the year so far this season. At that point, maybe not ready to walk into the first team. And obviously, ball and ball and goalie. But it was the other player that came in when Katie departed the club. I, I don't think personally now that Celtic's at that point where we just sit in our hands that if a player of Juranovic's qualities to go out the door, he's one of the, the top players in this team. I thought he brought the, the, the standard of the team up last year. Right? He's a real quality player. Um, you saw that a lot. He played that role so well, of that inverted fullback role under Ange. It just kind of fits the picture. Um, even though we, we don't want him to go, we don't want any of our players to go, as Ange has already recognised, but sometimes you need to look at the bigger picture. Um but but would you agree in, in the sense that you know Celtic can't really sit in their hands here because right away you're going to look at hopeful Champions League football if you win the league title this year and you want to get that preparation underway just now. I think that prep was getting underway at the Sydney Super Cup, which we're going to come on to. You don't want to just be bringing somebody in in the summer to then expect them to go into the team. Yeah, it's all about sort of striking a balance in it and, and making sure you're doing your your, your work. Um, you know, we sold Ohamed and from Pong in January, brought in uh, John Joe Kenny, and then we didn't really play Ralston, even though that Ralston was our player, and we always knew that Kenny was leaving at the end of the season. We, we stuck with Kenny, and you've seen as soon as Ange came, comes in, Ralston begins to develop and becomes a fantastic player. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to stick with one right back in, until the end of the season. You know, I know it's only domestic games we've got, and as Ralston has showed in domestic games, he's more than good enough. But I would like to have uh, two players in every position at all times. I'd like us to get another player in. You know, Angie said that we've already done our homework for January, and we're sort of looking towards the summer transfer window now. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's it's the way that the model works. If Jovanovic, you know, we get offers of, what, 12, 15 million from Leicester in the summer. If he goes on and has a good World Cup and we get these mega bucks offers again, you need to sell. Because as we've seen, you know, with other teams uh, in, in Scotland and in other leagues, you know, you can't be left with an ageing squad. Um, if you don't sell your assets at the right time, they stop becoming assets and they become a hindrance. You know, players with six months to go. We've seen with Ryan Christie, you know, we all thought Ryan Christie was going to go for 15 or 20 million. He ends up going for two and a half because he's only got six months left and he wanted to leave. So I'm not saying this is what's going to happen with Ivanovic, um, but it's, if, I mean, if we're looking for money, it's, you know, be, probably between Ivanovic and Kyogo just because of the age that they're at. Um, and if you're, if you're wanting to get money out of them, you probably need to sell them either this January or this summer. Um, so it's not like we're trying to sell them, but if a, if a big money offer comes in, then you need to, you need to weigh up the options. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Beach Boys coming in here to say decisions about who is leaving will have already been made. They won't be World Cup dependent, um, which probably could be the case also. Um, if you're looking at the, the, the squad, it will also be dependent on a few 
that's a received bids. We know that there's other teams in Scotland that say they get bids for players and yet the players still at the club. Um, but I think that's a really good point in terms of, of assets. You know, learning from your mistakes, Natasha, you need to do that. We saw the clock tick down in players' contracts. Um, Olivier Cham, who's at the World Cup again with Cameroon, <coughs> at one point could have went for, for much more than we actually paid for him. Didn't happen. Ryan Christie's another example of that. It's about probably striking well where the you know yeah. iron is hot um, in terms of this. And Egyptian King coming in here to say that he believes Angelo was have a replacement mm-hmm. lined up for every player, which, mm-hmm. you know, so far the track record is that has been the case. Um, if you go back to the summer, January, the summer there, you know, has transfer strategy, um, you're probably looking at maybe Yusuke Adeguchi as the only player that hasn't hit for him, which out the the contingent of players he's brought into the club is pretty much impeccable. Yeah, no, I've been really impressed with Angie's transfer business. I think I think one thing we've got wrong previously, and going back to the example that you referred to of players like Christy and Cham, even you no know, Edward, I think what we tried to do with that squad during Lennon's last season in charge was almost sort of like unnaturally end the cycle. Every team has a cycle, every player has a cycle, and there's always the right time for them to leave a club. I think the pressure of the the ten in a row season and everything that happened during COVID, I think that that made us want to sort of unnaturally force some of these player cycles just to go on one season too far, and it didn't work. It didn't work from a football perspective. It didn't work from a business perspective in terms of the finances we've brought in. Um, but I don't think we're going to see that that problem repeat itself. And I think that Ange is going to be a pretty shrewd operator in the transfer market, and we've seen that. Before I absolutely love him talking about the fact that he's already got the January business done, um, and I think when he says that, I think what he means is that he'll be ready to react to any situation that happens. Because you know we can't we can't anticipate to an extent to an extent we can, but we can't fully anticipate what bids are going to come in when what their value will be for which player. But I think what he'll have you know been able to do is work out, okay, if this happens, then I'm going to do that. If this happens, if that player goes, then I'm going to move for him. If he goes, I'm going to move for him. And I think he's just going to have all of this worked out so clearly that we are ready to move and operate in this transfer market to make sure that we're coming out of it stronger than we went into it. And for me, that is really encouraging, and that's exactly how I want to see my club run. Now, we're saying, I think this is what I expect to happen, because that's what, you know, all the the sounds that we're hearing from him in the club are making us believe that that'll happen. Obviously, it remains to be seen. January will come and go, and we'll, we'll discuss this again at the end. But going into it, you know, I'm I'm relatively confident that Andrew's really got this under control. Yeah, I, I would agree in terms of the, the control aspect of it. I, I'd probably much rather that Celtic were active than just reactive, mm-hmm. um, which I think is probably already the case in there that they, they know. I know that various reports have said that the priority going into this window is already a fullback. That would indicate probably a right back because we know that, that left backs pretty much covered one of them wouldn't be too chuffed today I'd imagine after watching his national team there you'd imagine that's a right back in the other position as supposedly a centre forward which we will get on um, to talk about Patrick just to kind of give you a few flavour of the comments here um, somebody coming in here to say that Celtic are making a big mistake if we let Juranovic go um, and Mark coming in believes that if we sell JJ and replace him with Ralston then it's a major step back would you agree with that? I think Tony Nelson's a very competent fullback. He's a very competent squad player. But I think if you're possibly looking at taking Celtic to that next level in European football, we need to be bringing in somebody who's probably of a, a similar party to Josip Juranovic. 
Yeah, at least on par. I think you need to be you need to constantly look to improve the squad. I think if you look to match a player or sort of almost match a player, you're only ever going to go backwards because you're not improving on the squad. Um, you know, if we've, I mean, we signed Jovanovic for, you know, three, four million. If we can get 12, 15, then you've got... Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. 10 million profit to, to go and buy another player. And, and the sort of the, the model repeats. You know, we use that money to sort of, um, you know, both to stay to, to stay afloat and to develop as a football club. But then you need to go out and you need to find the next bargain, the next sort of hidden gem to develop, to put in the Champions League stage, and then to to take the money when the money's right. Um, you're never going to be able to sell for the sort of maximum fee. You know, I think we've seen, you know, it was like fourteen million or something from Porto was the the highest price I've seen for Incham. You might not necessarily get that fourteen million. You, you might only get ten or eight or something. But it's important that you sell when you've got you know bidders uh, wanting to buy. Because as you've seen this in Cham, we terminated his contract with something like six months or twelve months to go. Um, so it's important that you know we keep on building because I don't think you can. I don't think you can go through the thirty six odd games that we've got left. Hopefully in the season, with one right back, I think you need to at least bring in another body. And if we want to do our business right, I think you need to always look to improve and, you know, look for a player better than Jovanovic, as hard as that might be. Natasha, keep, keep on building as the focus. I think after yesterday's um, movement across Glasgow with Celtic's title challengers, it needs to just be an in-house focus. Um, yes, you might look over your shoulder now and again, but the focus needs to be on ourselves and how we do our business, how we recruit in January, how we continue to improve the squad. I was reading Carol Starfelt's comments this morning who said that uh, he's watched that, that video that came out last week when Ange bangs, uh, slams the, the whiteboarding goes absolutely off his head um, which uh, supposedly um, Hamish put out on Twitter I think he actually did I think he fractured his wrist or something and he, he smacked it so I, I wouldn't fancy being on the edge of that. He said that majority of the players in of our dressing room have been on the receiving end of a bowling of the manager. Um, his standards are, are set so high that he's not going to allow for this football club at this point in time to press the big yellow pause button. No, absolutely not. No way. Um, I think what he said before is very much his philosophy and that will continue, that we have to focus on building our own house, making our own house as nice as it can be and doing everything we can to to progress it without looking over the garden fence at what the neighbours are doing and at the end of the season you look at how your house stacks up against the rest of the street and we have to continue with that we have to you know tune out the noise from anywhere else in the city or anywhere else in the country and just focus on ourselves and that's very much what he's doing I thought that that video was a really interesting insight to Ange Um, I loved it to be honest I think he is 
a man who has very, very high standards um, of himself and that allows him to ask really high standards of everyone around about him and of all his players and of all his staff. That's a good thing for progression and development, so I like that. Um, and if you don't meet his standards, then you're in trouble. Um, I think he likes his players working very, very hard. Um, and if you're going to be lazy or drop those standards, he's going to see it and he's not going to be happy and you do not want to be on the receiving end of it when he's not happy. Um so I think if it was me, I would be putting in 120% every single game to avoid being on the end of one of those and um, telling offs. So, yeah, no, I liked it. I liked the video and uh, I like to see that he is continuing to to drive standards because the, the players are looking good. They're looking sharp. Um, one thing that I actually like when we're talking about the, the coaching staff and player comments and things like that, just going on to a different one, was um, Maeda talking about Harry Cool. Um, and talking about how important Harry Kuhl's been for, for him this season. Um, it's, it's been no secret that Maeda has probably not reached the levels that we expected from him on the basis of last season. He had a slight dip in form. By, by no means has he, has he been poor or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. And so he did have a slight dip in form. He wasn't at his best. He knew that as well. Um, and I really like to hear how he talked about the importance of Harry Kuhl um, and how he really pulled him out of that by spending some individual one-on-one time with him, going through it, giving him exactly what he needed as an individual and not just a player to make sure he could get out of that slight rut that he'd found himself in. And again, I think that speaks volumes for, for Harry Cool and also for what Andrew's building here, the culture around the club, the sort of coaches that he wants. A great idea to bring in Harry Cool if that's the sort of coaching and level of you know help that he's offering so I was I was really encouraged to hear that as well and I think that we've probably got a, a pretty solid system behind the scenes in terms of coaching staff and, and that was something that the manager spoke about the club evolving you know you, mm-hmm. you remember when we had that that great um, speech from the manager on trophy day when he speaks about coming back bigger better stronger mm-hmm. I know that the punctuation in that annoyed a few people <laughs> um, it's on the wall in the the Lingen Celtic Park and it seemed to I annoy a few folk if that's the only thing you get annoyed about. Um, probably yeah, if that, if that is the only thing that we've got to complain <clears> about <throat> when leaving a game, then I'm absolutely all for it. I don't really mind too much about where the commas are. The message is the same. And, uh, yeah, that, that's not something to worry about. But, but good on these, uh, these comments from Carol Starfelt, Patrick. He says, you know, I think we all have very high standards. The manager is always pushing us every day to never relax. You can see it in training every day and we are trying to be at it and if we fall out of it and the manager is there to push us back into it I am not worried about complacency and then goes on to say our individual have I seen it yes he's a really good manager and he knows what he wants if someone falls out uh, uh, where are we yeah if someone falls out of it he will push them back into it I think most of the boys have experienced the temper at some point the manager sets high standards and I think that's how it should be Every player pushing for Celtic and more should have high standards. If you throw players' excuses, then they will have them. You have to go out there and perform no matter the circumstances. We, we saw that last week um, after the, the, the Sydney result. You know, somebody asks them about the jet lag. I know Jerry McCulloch and Tom Boyd are maybe trying to, you know, go a wee bit easier than the players and, and the commentary gets asked after the game, you know, was that a factor? And they say, yeah, it was, but I'm not a violin player, mate. So, you know, the, the standards set here are incredible and again it says everything about him that he was going out there to, to try and put on a show for the, the Celtic fans who had a great <coughs> turnout over there in Sydney from the ones that travel from Scotland and you know Australia and all over Asia and whatnot, and probably from afar from the US um, 
it just says everything about him this and it's good to know that you, you don't have that complacency in the dressing room that the players are coming out and saying the league's over and whatever else um, I know that George Shakamakis caused a storm last season when he, he said that you know he believed that Celtic would win the league but I think that was only honesty but certainly honesty rather than complacency in that dressing room just now Yeah I think it was I'm just being honest I mean I think at the time we were you know, three or four points clear with a slightly superior goal difference. And it was a bit lost in translation as well. You know, he was saying that he believed that we were the best team and, you know, our best place to win the league, which I don't think any Celtic fan would disagree with you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it came to, you know, we won the league by four points and several goals. Um, and, you know, it's, it's it's sort of like the latest in the long line of, you know, and showing what he's all about. Because we've had the, you know, we never stop training session from before he played their competitive game. You know, I, I think it was race in the cup we played. I think we beat them four nothing, and Stephen Welsh got it tight in the touchline. You know, I've had everybody was getting it tight. Stop! Uh, I the ball back. Aye, stop! Absolutely. Aye, aye. Um, I think it was Stephen was quite unlucky just being the one to pass it back at that particular moment. But aye, the standards are set from day one. Um, you, that's that's clear to see. And there's there's not been many performances at all. You would think that standards have slipped. You know, we've always tried to play our way of playing, we've always went out to try and win the game, you know you're 5 nothing up with 10 minutes to go and you're still trying to chase a 6th goal, so it's be- it's definitely been drilled into the players and obviously there's a-, a lot of running involved a lot of athleticism and that's where guys like Maeda, you know, when they're not playing so well, you, you have to persevere with them because they are- they're so crucial to the system that when it's the 75th minute, the 8th minute, 85th minute you need to try and attack the ball. You need to try and go for that fourth, fifth, and sixth goal. Absolutely, and and even kind of the, the unity that exists in that, that dressing room. Again, I I read a wee bit. Um, my, my Japanese isn't too hot, so Google Translate keep my head on this. But um, Kyogo's comments in a, a newspaper over in Japan talking about that that disappointment of being out the the Japan mm. World Cup squad by Hajime Moriyasu. Um, the, the poor soul had got up in the morning to watch the press conference live, only to be, you know, left shocked and disappointed. I think it was. Um, he said he, you know, he'd set that as his goal, his target to to get to a World Cup, and and didn't get to it. Um, but he said it was no time to be depressed. He said my my football life doesn't end here. Um, now I have to move forward. I woke up early in the morning at home in Scotland to watch the press conference announcing uh, the members of the national team, but. My name was not called. I was preparing for the Champions League match against Real Madrid, so I tried not to think about it and concentrated on the game in front of me. During this time, my Celtic teammates were very supportive. I felt that everyone cared about me a lot. Um, but it's just, I think, Natasha, you're nearly crying over that. That just speaks volumes. It <laughs> speaks volumes of the unity that exists. I know it's a very a tearjerker, but it just does speak volumes of the unity that, that exists within that, that dresser. It's very easy to forget that Kyoko's a 27 year old man, but reading that really is pulling the heartstrings. Oh, bless him. That's, it's hard, isn't it? It must be very hard for any footballer, especially, you know, one at his age as well. You know, he's not 22. He's not quite easily got, you know, another four and another four left in him. Um, so I, I do feel for him. I think I think this is, must be a really difficult one to take. Um, and it, it's going to disappoint you, you know, it's going to have an impact on you. I hope it doesn't have any sort of negative effect on him, you know, in terms of his confidence, because I think he's a player who really thrives on that. But what really encouraged me about that 
heartbreaking statement that you just read was the the way that his teammates rallied around them. And again, that speaks volumes to the culture that we've got here at the club. Um, I feel he can probably, you know, relate somewhat to Hitati. I'm sure he'll be very disappointed at missing out as well. Um, and I hope that they realise, and it sounds like they do, that there is a lot more that they can continue to achieve this season and next season and going forward. They're players with absolutely bags of potential in terms of what they do here at Celtic and what they do next, because obviously, you know, we don't expect them to stay here forever as much as they like our heroes to do so. So, like you said, it doesn't end here. Um, of course, it's going to be disappointing for him not getting to the World Cup, but I think his character and the character of the players around about him are going to help him bounce back from that disappointment. Yeah, we, we should well, and I'm sure, you know, all these Celtic teammates, according to that, have been doing that. And, and although... You know, Ange Postacoglu says he doesn't have favourites. I think he's definitely got a, a, a soft spot um, for, for Kyogo. Um, Patrick, to just kind of finish those comments, he said, it would be selfish to stay depressed forever and it would cause trouble for the team. My motto is to smile. And I kept saying, don't worry, and tried to keep a smile on my face. When I went home after the game against Real, I had the next day off. I decided to use that one day to cheer myself up. We watched films and played games. I spent the rest of the day lounging around at home and by the time I went to training the next morning, I felt okay. Um, so this leads us on to... You're, you're nearly starting <laughs> the Tuesday tears. Um, it leads us on to this kind of debate around strikers and, you know, the flip of this is people are, are, are talking about Yakimakis and, and Kyogo not being clinical enough in the Champions League. Um I think a lot of people have said in their defence, you know, experience at that level, Yakimakis had previously played at Champions League level for, for AK Athens. Kyogo, I think, had previously featured in the Asian Champions League, similar type competition, if it's any uh, consolation. But are you still of the opinion that, that Celtic need to bring in another striker now? I, I think that was the, the case for me before we even went into the Champions League, that, that going through a season with only two available, if one gets injured... You don't have any replacements. We know that Abada, Maeda, Haksabanovic probably is a possibility now could all feature through the middle. But really just looking at the squad, take the Champions League element out of it. I'll give you that as a hard question, Natasha. Just looking at the squad, we probably do need to bring another striker. Yes, I think. Um, it has been one that I've been going back and forward on a little bit over the course of the season. But I think for me, the answer is probably yes. Um, I think it would be good for both Kyogo and Giacomacus as well and I do think we are having a slight issue now in terms of being clinical enough in terms of um, finishing our chances you know again you, you look at the, the Sydney Cup there and overall I thought we had you know a great run out you know bearing in mind that these are friendlies fitness and performance is more important than the overall result um, but knowing Ange I don't think he'll see it like that you know he's a winner even if it's a friendly he's wanting to go and win those games especially taking his team back to his home country. He wants to go back and show them off, doesn't he? Show how good they are, show how good they'll be. And there'll be a frustration for him that he wasn't able to win those games. And I think, again, because where that started from was talking about the finishing, um, I think the post-match conversations we were having after the Sydney Cup games were really reminiscent of the conversations that we were having post-Europe in terms of the fact that we played well, we showed a good account of ourselves, we created a lot of chances, but we just didn't take them. So again, we probably should have won those games, but we didn't. So the concern for me as a fan is that there's a continuing theme here, and that theme 
is that we are not clinical enough and we're not taking our chances. Over the course of those two games in Sydney, we had 49 shots on goal and we only scored once. You know, that's, that's not for need enough. And it was, it was a bit, you know, Burnaby's hit the shot and it's came off um, our pal that we've just been talking about there, but it wasn't a vintage type goal, no, was it? No, so you know, that that those sorts of stats are concerning and it's something that we need to work on. We need to work on being more clinical or do we work on bringing in a new striker who's more clinical? And I think I think probably the latter, I think we could do with, with someone else as an option up there. Um, and I think we might see it in January, if not the summer. Well, supposedly it's one of the priority targets. We've been linked um, with Robin Hack, um, who plays his football, and that the second tier of German football has stats this season quite impressive 19 appearances, 9 goals, and 6 assists. He can also play out in that left wing. Patrick, I think anybody who you're probably going to bring in as a striker is going to have this versatility to their game because it's what the manager likes in his forward players. We see that with Haksabanovic. We know that, you know, I think in the last game against Ross County, you see him and Jota switch constantly. Maeda can do that. Um, players like Forrest and Abad are a bit limited to doing that. We know that Kyogo can feature it in that left-hand side too. I think anybody who will bring in here will also be able to play one other position. I don't think you'll just go out and buy a centre-forward and that's it. I think it'll be a centre-forward come winger-type thing. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would. You know, sort of Kyogo can kind of play those wide positions. Yakimakis, not so much. You know, he's a he's very much an out-and-out striker. Um, to have three strikers for one position, you know, it's, it's going to be pretty hard to rotate those guys. You know, I know we play about 60 games a season, but even then, um, it'd be pretty hard to fit them all in. Unless, you know, I'm looking to change formation some point in the future, but I doubt it because I think he's played you know, four three three most of his career, um, his managerial career. Um and you know, I wouldn't say no to another striker. Uh, I'm just and obviously, you know, Hack sounds very impressive, you know, nine goals, six assists and nineteen appearances. It certainly sounds as if he can chip in, you know, in both ways, you know, setting people up and putting it in the back of the net. Um I I wouldn't say no. Uh, I mean I think we've been quite unlucky in the Champions League, especially. You know, I think it was something like we had 60 shots and we only scored three of them because, you know, the fourth one's an own goal, doesn't count yeah. as a shot. And, you know, I think of those 60, like 24 were on target or something. So a pretty poor return when you consider, I think Shakhtar had like 16 shots and scored eight of them. You know, it's it's pretty incredible. You know, I think Mudrick's been linked for like a £85 million move to yeah. Arsenal since then. Oh, yeah. But even then, um, you know, I think yeah, it's definitely it's luck plays a part, but then you you also need to take these chances because um, you know some of them we, we probably should have scored, but um, yeah, wouldn't say no to another striker. Yeah, not at all. Um, Callum Hardy saying you know if we improve the squad, some players will stay. As we're showing ambition, depending on who you bring in, I think a lot of people would rather be bringing somebody who's ready made too. It's not going to be a development striker. Brian Murphy coming in here to say that. He believes we need to get a clinical centre forward that Kyogo misses too many chances. It just all feeds into this idea that, you know, next year, get into the Champions League, we hope, um, or any level of European football, you don't want to take the risk, Natasha, that even though players going into this competition as Celtic players were inexperienced at this level, you do hope that they will have taken those learning steps, but you also need to have the flip side of that, that they might not have, and you want somebody else in your squad that's going to take those chances for you in games. 
Yeah, absolutely. We we could very clearly see, and Ange and the backroom staff could very clearly see the areas that we are going to need to improve on going into the Champions League, hopefully next season. Um, the experience of this season is going to be massively important, but we need to combine that experience with the ability that the players have. You know, Kyogo, if, if it's still him playing that role for us in their next Champions League campaign, then he needs to be a step up. Everyone needs to make that step up because only by making that step up will we actually get to the next stage. Um, if we can be converting in the same sort of percentage way that some of the other teams in our group were, we're going through that group. So that's what we need to work on. And if Ange doesn't think that the players that we have in the squad at the moment are capable of making them the step up that we need to progress further in the Champions League, then I'm sure he'll replace them. But... I think he'll be pretty happy with the team that he's got, but he's the sort of guy that is always looking for improvement. No matter how good you are, no matter how much you're his favourite, like Kyogo, he always knows that there's the potential for a better player out there, and I, out there. And I think he's always going to strive to improve the team and do it in a way that isn't too wholesale change. Um, Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. This week on The Marketer's Report, Patrizio Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, direct-to-consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on-air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. But yeah, there's there's always going to be improvements that we can make. And I think that the core of the team is likely to stay the same going into next season. I think the vast majority will still be here. I think that the bulk of the team will still be in position for the rest of this season post-January and going into next season. And we'll see some sort of, you know, small improvements around as well, be that a fullback, another striker. We've not talked about the goalkeeping position yet. I think there will be improvements in certain areas, although the bulk of the squad will remain the same. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Well, we're halfway into the show, but we've not congratulated you late. And I know there's a lot of people in the comments in here. So, Ryan Kelly, congrats for the award last week, Natasha. Absolutely. It was a, a double. Um, we'll claim it for Axom too. Um, yeah. Paddy's telling us to, to update our awards. Axom, of course, based in video content, another award that the, the Football Content Awards are our previous wins are, are listed there and Natasha also um, won the silver award um, for, for women in sport which you know I think is thoroughly well deserved Natasha for your work around the Celtic FC women's team you've championed them for a long time now um, I think that kind of all started off during, during Covid on here um, when maybe a few more people started to take um, notice of, of the team um, Fran Alonso's definitely an infectious character why would you not want to take a bit of an interest in that guy but You've certainly championed it, and I think uh, Patrick, I'll throw it over to you first before we get on to it. But you know, you're watching people at the World Cup, like Laura Woods and Alex Scott and, and whatnot, champions women's football, and we have our very own here at Axom, and it's important that that continues. 
We do, and the award was well deserved. You know. Oh. Ah, the coverage of the women's team was uh, was uh, a. <laughs> uh, I coverage has been excellent, and yeah, you're, you're right. It really sort of did take off during that during the COVID season, um, and you know the women's game is definitely on the rise. Um, you know, I don't think the Celtic women's team are doing too bad either, which which also helps. So, definitely, congratulations on the award, and you know, hopefully, the Celtic women's team can become as successful as the men's over the past six seven years. No, yeah, uh, Natasha, thanks. do you want to give us uh, how your, your thoughts on getting the award and, and everything? Yeah, it's, no. it's probably because I know you've got an event to it on Friday night that you'd be able to give a, a shout out to as well, an organisation that you're involved yeah, with. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, no, thank you guys. I, I really appreciate it. Um, I, I'm really passionate about women's football and passionate about growing the women's game. Um, and I think that one of the ways that we can do that is through increased coverage. And the more coverage that the women's game gets, the more buy-in, the more revenue, and that in turn is going to be good for the quality and growth of the game. You know, one of the driving factors for me is making sure that young girls have the same opportunities as young boys going forward. And one way to make sure that we can do that is is growing the women's game. You know, young boys have so much visibility to, to men's football via the mainstream media, via fan media, um, playing the game themselves. The young girls don't have that to the same extent with, with our women's football offering right now. So anything that I can do and we can do as, as an Axon team to support that is obviously a step in the right direction. So, yeah, it was really nice to receive the award. It's not why I do it at all, but it's nice to have some positive recognition. Um, and, of course, a big thank you to, to Paul John Dykes and the, the Axon team for, for giving me the platform to, to do so and, and make content around the, the women's team because I absolutely would not be able to do it or continue to do it without the support of, of him um, and you guys on and off the screen. So really grateful for that. Um, we will, of course, continue to bring you all of the updates on the Celtic women's team here on Axon. I think we'll probably talk about them a little bit more um, in the show and how they're going at the moment um, and yeah just touching on what, what Declan also spoke about there I was at another awards ceremony on Friday night, the Scottish Women in Sport Awards which I'm grateful to be on the board of that committee and it was a fantastic evening where we got to celebrate some amazing achievements um, by people involved in women's sport um, across the, the breadth of the sport as well, it was Really inspiring to see the work that so many people are doing in terms of growing women's sport in Scotland. Um, and we've got a lot of really, really talented athletes out there who deserve their recognition. Um, so if you want to find out more about that or that organisation, head over to Scottish Women in Sport social media pages. Um, we're on Instagram and Twitter. Um, and there's a website as well if you want to check that out. But um, no, again, just it is an absolute privilege to be involved as part of this double winning Axon team this season, um, picking up those those two awards for obviously best video and then silver for the women in football. I think the, the video one as well speaks absolutely massive volumes to the incredible work that goes on behind the scenes. Obviously, um, the people in the comments will regularly, you know, see maybe just the bulletin on, on a, a daily basis. But you'll also see the, the absolute tons of fully produced video content that is put out on the, on the channel. And that's credit to the work of people like Paul John, Stuart, Kelvin, who work so hard behind the scenes to bring out some really good content. So that award was so well-deserved against some tough opposition. So, um, yeah, it's a great team to be part of. And, yeah, more awards is always good, isn't it? Yep, won't we continue. And we'll be on... <clears throat> 
I've got that Ange cough. When we're on the subject of a of a women's football, it's derby game this weekend, Natasha. Um, isn't it for for the is, Celtic women? It is. So um, we've mentioned before on the show that the key games for the women's team this season are going to be against the other top three. Um, I remind the top three in the women's league at the moment are the three teams who have turned full time professional, and that is Celtic Rangers and Glasgow City. Um, the first to face off against each other this season were Celtic and Glasgow City a couple of weeks ago, which unfortunately Celtic lost um, 2-1 following a last-minute goal. But this weekend just passed, Rangers and City played each other, which ended in a draw, which suited us perfectly. It now means we set just one point off top going into this weekend's game away to Rangers. So the game will be played at Broadwood on Saturday. Um, if anyone's interested in go along, I would absolutely encourage you to do so. Um, it's shaping up to be a really good game. The girls are playing really well at the moment. Um, Jan has got them absolutely firing all cylinders, scoring some good goals. So it's going to be a tough test. It is, um, but it will probably give us an idea of you know how the the title challenge is shaping up. I have to admit that our rivals across the city are making it particularly difficult to buy tickets. But if you want some more information about how you can attend, then go and check out the Celtic Women's Twitter feed. Um, because I think that'll be a, an interesting one on, on Saturday. Obviously, Celtic men are not playing. Um, so if you do fancy your Celtic fix this weekend, then there is a derby game on Saturday. So get along for that. Yeah, and it's been a decent start to the season so far. Obviously, that Glasgow City defeat was disappointing, but it was a, a huge run of games without even conceding a goal that they'd went on there. Um, yeah, I, I spoke to, to, to Fran Alonso on Friday and he basically spoke about pressing that restart button. And just going again, obviously they'd lost a few players to internationals, had that friend against Sunderland, which they hope will have put them back in, in good stead um, to go and challenge for the title. Broadwood, Patrick, the last time I was there, Vakin Yusuf Bile scored for, for Celtic. Um, <laughs> it was absolutely bolty. It was the day after my 20th birthday um, and we won 3-0. So, yeah, um, not the best for memories of Broadwood, apart from the, the victory in that day. Obviously, people will go back many a year, um, to one of our favourite pundits who was in TV having a bar maybe game soonest at 11 o'clock this morning Patrick and Roy Keane's debut there um, but yeah there's one to check out and again Natasha congratulations on the award um, we were we were still you know on Celtic transfer we've spoken about Josip Juranovic we've spoken a wee bit about Robin Hack Yuki Kobayashi you know I think we've touched on before but we won't go over it too much but he's obviously another name that, that's in and around the mix so one to possibly keep our eye on there um, let, let's switch to the other side of the world now and go away over to the land down under um, Natasha I think you were you were one of the other nutters that got up during the night on Sunday <laughs> yeah I did I did yeah. um, I, I caught half I was of it, too I um, half? oh come on yeah. I know, I know. It wasn't my best, but... Um, yeah. Mr. A, Estrella was keeping me company from, and, and Sunday night, much to the, the displeasement of my girlfriend. So um, let Sam go to her bed and I stayed up to watch the football um, with my old man, which maybe wasn't the wisest decision. Um, there's a Pat, point you're sitting there thinking, what on earth am I doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And Patrick's okay because he goes to the later mass on a Sunday too, so he didn't have to worry about getting up too early. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh, you know, we do what we do. We miss Celtic, so we'll watch them whenever they're on. Um, 
I know, I think I, I posted something about it on, on Twitter and a lot of my Australian friends, you know, replied, you know, how do we think they feel? Um, which is very true. It's very true. We're very lucky that we get to watch these 12 o'clock or 3 o'clock kickoffs um, and maybe shouldn't complain when the kickoff times are, you know, 6 o'clock in Motherwell or whatever it was. But um, no, I think it was, that's great for the Australian fans, isn't it, to, to be able to have that opportunity to see their team play in their home country and one of the things I loved most about the tournament was the the shots of the stands just seeing how much fun the fans were having how much of an atmosphere there was how much of a buzz there was um and I felt you know I, I love that they have had that experience I had um a friend of mine a friend of the show Dan was over um a few months back to to watch Celtic over here in Scotland and he was absolutely buzzing with the opportunity just to see Celtic play. And that is something that we take for granted as fans who live in Scotland or even Ireland. Um, we take it for granted that they are that close and that we are able to watch them every weekend. So for them to have this experience that we get every week, um, I'm really pleased for them. And I think it's probably something that the club should invest in and buy into more often, not just in Australia, but perhaps targeting some of the countries where we have large fan bases, you know, like Japan now as well. So mm. I thought it was um, I thought it was fantastic. Yep, there's already possibly a week and a hint um, mm. in what Ange Postacoglu said about that possible pre-season, maybe next year in Japan. Nothing confirmed about that, but a good idea. Um, Patrick, you know, we're probably the ones um, that are closest to Celtic part of the, the three is I know you're a wee bit further afield, Natasha. It takes myself and Patrick 15, 20 minutes in the car to get to Celtic Park, so it's really not that far away. And I think you do take it for granted. I mean, you get to see those folk, probably not just from Oz, I know there's people down from Japan and whatnot getting to the yeah. game. Um, it, it's testament to their commitment to, to the cause. You know, we are all, the three of us, seasons like older, committed to the... Um, the cause and getting along every second Saturday, whatever, to, to Celtic Park to watch the team. Um, but, you know, that, that commitment to get up at all times of the morning to watch us take on Ross County or, or, or Livingston, um, no disrespect to those two clubs, but, you know, it really says something about those fans. And I think the last time we were over there was 11 years ago. And Patrick, you know, we already knew that we had that, that strong support in Australia. We've got people like our Lisbon Lion, Willie Wallace has lived over there for over 40 years. Um, Paul McStay also um, lives out in Australia. And our former uh, player, Scott McDonald, obviously hails um, from from Oz. And, you know, it's important for countries like that. I know Paul John said it before on here and in our Axon chat. You know, if you look at Oz, Ireland, um, America, and now even Japan, we need to, to get with the times and grow that band. It's very, very important. And the automatic qualification for the Champions League that we hope will continue for ourselves lets you do that. You know, in previous years, we've got into this nice wee cycle that we go to Austria, take on a couple of teams. Stumgratz is usually one of them. Um, it's good for the, the bevy session. I know my old history teacher, Joe Dunn, gets along every year. You always spot him um, on the telly having a, a good few eels, um, even though it's not too much of a fan, it prefers the tenants laggard, but gets over there to Austria, then we come back, we have that real unusual European run of games, and it's back to domestic football, whereas having that wee bit of time allows you to go and do these trips, it's came at, even though I think we'd rather Celtics on just now with the World Cup pause, it's been that kind of perfect time to get over to Oz just now, um, but you know, as Natasha said, it's probably something that the club should be looking at to do more and I'm sure Michael Nicholson and Chris McKay are looking at the success of this trip possibly looking at repeating it for Japan 
and then maybe overseas, you know, you look at, I think it was a, a friend against Shamrock Rovers, we won 9 or something, remember the game a few years back, and the turnout... I think even Johnny Hayes scored. Johnny Hayes even scored, um, the Flying Irishman, so... You, know, you look at these games and we've been over to the US too we took on Real Madrid and whatnot. there is a huge Celtic support from overseas you need to make these people feel connected and from the global position of the club you need to grow the image of it and grow the brand um, it's how football works these days much to the disappointment of some um, but you do need to grow your image and brand we probably paused that in Australia after Shinsuke Nakamura left the club with a chance to continue it we didn't it probably hasn't taken off until Bavadi, guys like Kyogo dies in Rio and Yusuke Deguchi, but it's something that needs to become a priority for Celtic, because if you look at the money, I looked back at the Daily Record article, I don't know exactly the the specific amount that Celtic received for, for playing in the Sydney Super Cup, the, the Record article stated $11 million, um, I imagine it was a wee bit less than that, but Whatever it was, is certainly going to be much more than you get for winning the league in Scotland. And all that goes into a kitty of improving the club, developing facilities, bringing in better personnel. And that's how you need to look at the, the bigger picture of these tournaments. I know people go, oh, it's only two friendly games, but it's so much more than two friendly games. Yeah, um, you know, I think Japan's a great idea. Australia has been a great idea. You know, there was a lot of, a lot of upset, and I think rightly so, when... Uh, there was talk of a, a derby game taking place in Australia. I don't think that was right. I don't think that's something that Celtic should be selling themselves as 50% of. Uh, I think we should be selling ourselves um, and not anything else, to be perfectly honest. You know, we had, I think it was called the Champions Cup. We played Barcelona in Ireland and then we played Leicester at Celtic Park. And I think Inter, it was a sold out. And Inter in Ireland too. Did we play Inter in 2016? Yeah, yeah we, where was that? Are you thinking of a different to... year? No, no. It's the no? same year. Oh, yeah, David okay. played into Milan in that comp because I, I went to to Dublin um, for the Barcelona game. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. And I don't remember. Yeah, that I'm, yeah, that's funny. It came in between. I remember there was a hoo ha about it because we'd kicked off the league season. Then we mm-hmm. had to go over there to play. Some details in the comments. Where was it? I want to say it was Galway, but it wasn't. So, right. but yeah, I don't remember Champions Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. Aye, aye. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a great idea to sort of sell yourself in these competitions. As you said, we played Real Madrid, in, I think it was 2013, played Real Madrid in America. So it's good to go around. And, you know, I think I don't think there's anything wrong with going to Ireland um, because obviously so much of our history is connected to that country. So I think it's important to go back every every few years. Um, but as you said, to, to go into markets and sort of sell your brand and try and make more money, you know, I heard... I don't know what $11 million is in pounds, but I heard £6 million a few times on Twitter in the, over the last couple of days. And, you know, that's double what we get for winning the league. You know, you win the league for the prestige of winning the trophy. You don't really do it for the money because the money is, you know, pitiful compared to what we get for playing in Europe. Um, so it's important to grow the brand. You know, you can sell so much merchandise. You can get, you know, Celtic TV subscribers, viewing figures, all that sort of stuff. Um 
So really important and obviously a major success if that $11 million figure is totally correct. Yeah. Um, Mark, thank you, Mark. Limerick, that was where the game was. We got beat 2-0. I just checked it right. out there. Um, but that that was the who harmed it. But yeah, you know, these competitions, I, I don't know exactly how much Celtic received for competing um, in that. We're getting offered free digs if we go to Sligo. So there we go, Celtic, get your... Uh, finger out in that one get over to Sligo great connection obviously with, with, with Sean Fallon I know that my big pal John Fallon has a connection there and you know to just kind of throw this one at the mix really really strange over at Madrid when we were over there for the the game we were sitting in a kind of tapas market and it turned out that the guy that we met beside us had played under Willie McStay he was there with his wife on holiday had played with and under Willie McStay at Sligo Rovers and we were putting him in Madrid not there for the football at all there for a couple of days break um, with his missus so another strange one to, to add to the list of strange Celtic encounters that adds to um, walking about Venice with a Celtic top on and somebody shouting a gondola I'm on the hoops um, so <laughs> I'm sure we've probably all had these mad encounters along the way um, but yeah, it's important Natasha to do this um, because we, we see how big an impact it has and the fans who you know as much as we talk about the image and the brand of the club they're the most important people in this you know and if you look at the, the amount of people that come across the IDC, I know in our own supporters club, we have a, a man in his 80s that comes over every weekend, uh, every second weekend, should I say, from Belfast to get over on our bus to go at the games. There's a huge dedication and commitment there. And that really should be a, a priority, I think, for Celtic to, to get over to Ireland and then look further afield from there onwards. Yeah, I absolutely agree. There needs to be some way of, you know, recognising this commitment so many people make to this club because it's absolutely incredible and like I said before we do take it for granted how easy it can be for us sometimes so the more that the club can do to make it easier for these fans or reward these fans or recognise these fans then yeah I'm absolutely all for it Um, so yeah I think I think having seen how well that this Australia trip has worked, both financially um, from a business perspective for the club, that's obviously very important. Financially, it's been excellent. Um, and from a fan point of view as well, I think that, you know, having seen how well it's worked for them, the really positive feedback that's come from all the fans in Australia, I think it's an absolute no-brainer for the club to look at that and think that that's worked so well on so many levels. They probably re-engaged a significant proportion of the fan base in Australia again, you know, who were probably engaged before, who were getting up and watching the matches. And but just by going over there, you spark that a bit more, and you get that engagement is amplified. So I think having been able to do that there, I think that needs to be something that they start considering doing all over the world. I suppose where wherever they can, where we've got big fan bases, and we know that's global. So I think there's definitely a lot of. Um, possibilities there and I think that this Australia trip is going to be the catalyst for more of them to come like the Beach Boys coming up in the comments saying New York and Boston has huge Celtic support you know there, there are so many possibilities of where we could take this and uh, I look forward to, to seeing where we do end up next both from me watching as a football perspective and excited for whichever fans the, of the, the country they end up in so yeah here's to more of this and possibly planning your next summer holiday, um, which Patrick knows. I do, I, I do love I get, holidays. So, <laughs> and, and Patrick knows, much to my, my girlfriend's amusement, we're going to Greece next year on holiday for no specific reason <laughs> apart from going to holiday. Get into that, <laughs> what you will. Um, have you got any of those strange Celtic encounters along the way, Natasha, in a, a foreign part of the world where you've kind of went, how's this happened? Uh, 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, God, there's so many right now that it's, it's hard to sort of, you know, tick them off. I'll, I'll yeah, let you think you about it, the room. Do you know what the do you know what the most common one is? Is you can be anywhere, um, and someone will come up to you and say, you know, are you from that axon? <laughs> um, which is which is great and always really nice to hear. And I think it shows how big an audience we have. We're just talking about Celtic's global reach. Um, but I've lost count of the number of places that I have been, and someone has come up to me and asked if I am from axon, which I'm always delighted to say that I am. So. Uh, yeah, we have uh, plenty of our own followers out there as well. Yes, and um, Patrick, I remember Jim Craig telling me a story um, himself and Elizabeth were over in Oz and he told me that both were standing at a set of traffic lights um, about to obviously cross the road and a, a man came up to him and went, oh, Jim Craig, Lisbon Line. And he thought, oh, I won't repeat what he said because uh, <laughs> a bit expletive, but he thought, oh, come on, this is getting a joke now. Other side of the road in Australia, <laughs> crossing the road and there was somebody who recognised him, um, can't get away from us at all. He says that walking up Buchanan Street is a task in itself for him <laughs> on any given day. So um, that's that one. Just to go over to the World Cup very quickly before we, we pause, I want to just touch on this very quickly. If you haven't already done so, please do like the video, subscribe to the channel. I know I bang on about it every week. I'm a bit late with the housekeeping, um, even though I don't think you needed to know where the fire exit was when we kicked off or to switch off your phones. I know you two both do that. Um, but you can win the chance to win two standard tickets to the SEC Armadillo on the 12th of May next year, which is a tribute to Vim Janssen and the team who stopped the 10. That'll include a, a lot of um, familiar faces from that team. And of course, um, with, with Vim uh, passing um, recently, um, it's a good chance to, to pay tribute um, to the great man um, in Glasgow. Last time I was at the Armadillo was to see Bob Dylan, so I'm sure if it's anything as good as that night, um, you're in for a treat. Um, VAR again, and don't worry. Before that, the klaxon goes and whatever. We're not going to relate it to Celtic. Just quickly from both of you, you've been watching the World Cup like myself. Dan Marchin is on in the background here. Um, what's your taking it? The, the time added on at the game. I know we very briefly spoke about it um, so, when we came on, but Natasha, yeah. I want to ask you about this. You know. Five minutes, I think, Argentina had on to the end of the first half and it was eight minutes on to the end of the game. Um, and then yesterday, nine minutes or so. I know there's been a couple of mm -hmm. bad injuries and that Saudi game there when the goalkeeper need him right in the face mm -hmm. um, and it played on a wee bit extra. But we should take the added time, which has obviously been a directive from FIFA. Yeah, it's new, isn't it? And it's all about wanting to have the most time with the ball on the pitch and the most game time, the most football time as possible. And watching this, it just feels a bit bizarre. But then, you know, taking a step back, and well, Joe, I actually quite like this because, you know, we're all tuning in to watch football. You know, we're not tuning in to watch time-wasting or goalkeepers taking a minute over, you know, a, a by-kick and things like that. That's not why we're watching it. We're wanting to watch the football. And then relating that to a Celtic perspective, you know, how frustrating is it when you go to places like Livingston or Tyne Castle and the, the time wasting is absolutely doing your head in? I think it would be quite encouraging to know that it is actually all going to get counted. It is all going to get added up. We are going to get eight minutes at the end of the game and then we are going to get the most football time possible. We know that's the way that Celtic and Ange like to play. We see it from how quickly Joe Hart gets that ball back onto the pitch. I think he's got the fear in those ball boys to get it on within one second um, because we want to have the ball in play for the absolute most time possible. So I think 
you know, if you were to ask Ange, would you like to see eight minutes added on to the end of the game to make up for all the stoppages and time waste and things like that? He would absolutely say yes. And, you know, as a football fan, we want to see more football played. We don't want to see the time wasting, you know, reeling things. So, yeah, but then you've got the flip side, you know, you're watching the end of that Saudi Arabia and Argentina game there and they're holding on for dear life when you're in the 103rd minute. I don't think they were happy at their eight minutes extra time then. No. Um, Mark's coming in here to say that, you know, that that director that I've spoken about, he believes that they're awarding soft penalties too now um, for a change-up. Actually, I agreed with Graham Suna, so I thought that was an Argentina penalty because he's hand round him. But there is, you know, a few contentious ones. Patrick, you know, Argentina had the ball four times in the night in that first half and one of them only counted um, duty VAR. But, you know, people are saying oh, it's an inch offside or whatever. But, but to me, if it's an inch offside, it's offside. Um, what's been your take the refereeing at this game? Because World Cup's always going to give us that hint of what's to come. Um, the automated balls, I think, is a great bit of technology that they've now got in football. Seen it used in the Champions League, seen it used here. Um, but what's your taking that they added time on in the games too? Yeah, totally support it. You know, lose track of the number of times, as Natasha said, you go to Tyne Castle or, you know, just about any game that Craig Gordon plays anyway. Or, you know, you might have Livingston or Ross County or something. And, you know, guys like Willie Collum will add on three minutes. The goalkeeper will take about. 45 seconds you take a goal kick but it doesn't add that 45 seconds on you know that, that's time wasted but just because he's an added time he doesn't add on to the added time if that makes sense so we've seen 8 minutes with all the time waste and the VAR the substitutions and then because someone went down we've added on another 5 and the game becomes 103 minutes long and quite right because football hasn't been played um, so totally support it uh, when it comes to that penalty, I didn't get to watch the England game yesterday, so I can't say about Harry Maguire. But, you know, the penalty today was a penalty. The guy doesn't look at the ball. He's got no intention of trying to get to the ball. He's just dragging the Argentina player down. And in my opinion, it's a penalty. It's it's one that's up for um, dispute, I think. But, you know, watching Graeme Sunes and Roy Keane go at it at 11 o'clock in the morning um, <laughs> was quite decent viewing. And I just wish that... Um, Keno would have had the chance to, to come up against Graeme Soonis because Natasha, um, he'd been very vocal about Celtic and VAR decisions that supposedly we wouldn't even be leading the league um, had we not had everything go our way with VAR um, don't know what he's been watching on that no. but you know, I, I say there that the World Cup usually gives you quite a, a good indication of what's to, to come um, I think it's quite a positive getting this added time on as well as that you know um, gives you that wee bit extra to be, you know, drawn to a game because by the way, this is actually working now. If you're getting five minutes in the first half and ten minutes into the second half, it's making the game longer. That it means that the, the next game coming on is a bit sooner. So for that, even uh, it's quite good. Yep, no, definitely. And what are we at? We're at about half an hour into the Denmark game now, so we yep. can uh, all go and catch up on the, the end of the first half of that. We'll let everybody go and get onto that um, game, but at five ten minutes probably added onto that second half, so you wouldn't miss out. Um, <laughs> thanks to everybody for joining us as always on the Tuesday bulletin. I know it can be a bit difficult and a bit of a uh, slug when there's no Celtic um, games imminent, and um, we will be back the seventeenth of December, obviously playing. But we'll be here to keep you updated along the way. The players have got eight days off before they head to Portugal for a winter camp. I'm sure we'll have plenty come out from that as we prepare for Aberdeen and then another gruelling uh, run of games, there'll be a mixture of transfer rumours in that, 
and whatever else. Um, Natasha, Patrick, thank you for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. and data rates may apply. Guys, got hair loss? I know what you're thinking. Should I shave my head, comb it over, wear a hat? Just stop. This is in 1970. Keep your hair and your confidence because Bosley, America's number one hair restoration experts, can give you your real hair back permanently. Check them out today because they're giving away an absolutely free information kit and a free gift card to anyone that texts EASY to 203203. Dude, you don't have to look like your dad because this isn't your dad's hair loss treatment. People all over the country trust Bosley because they're ahead of the curve. They use the latest technology to give you your real hair back. And the best part? Bosley's permanent solution is protected by the Bosley Guarantee. Let Bosley show you for free how awesome your hair could look with an absolutely free information kit and a gift card for $250 off. Text EASY to 203203. That's B-A-S-Y to 203203. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet but if their internet comes from a cell phone network you should know it's just phone internet not home internet keep your home up to speed with cox cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5g home internet cox is the real home internet you're looking for based on cox analysis of ookla speed test intelligence data q3 2022 and cox serviceable areas visit cox.com internet for details Sports Social Podcast Network. 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 Sports Social Podcast Network.